hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. We're into our second year of COVID-19 and creeping up to a year of quarantines and lockdowns, and you're probably getting a little tired of your four walls. But you also don't want to spend a bank load of money sprucing up your space. What do you do? Well, you listen to this episode 251 of the Queer Money Podcast, because today we're talking with home designer Terry Moore of T. Moore Home. Terry's based out of Nashville and can help design your space wherever you are in the country. And she says, everyone holds the power to have the home of their dreams with just a little guidance. How accessible does that sound? And Terry shares some affordable tips today as part of our 2021 Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke campaign to do just that. We make the Queer Money Podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at debtfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer your questions in an upcoming episode. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes, which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. Join our movement to build a community of happier, healthier, and wealthier gay men by getting your free copy of the five building blocks of a happy gay life at debtfreeguys.com forward slash happy. Terry Moore, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So I want to start off with uh, reading your blog, and I thought it, it just, I love the quote because it seemed very accessible. And I think sometimes when we think about home design and interior designing, it seems like it's something that like rich white people do in the Hamptons. <laughs> and um, this just seems a little bit more accessible. So there's a quote on your site. I'm assuming that you said it. Everyone holds the power to have the home of their dreams with a little guidance. That's everyone. I'd love that. Do you mind explaining that a little bit? Yeah. So that was me. And I really <laughs> do believe that. I actually started my interior design business by mistake. I had no intentions of ever being an interior designer. I just had a home and I wanted my home to look pretty and to feel nice and to be functional for my family. And over the years, through buying, renovating and selling houses, realized that I was making different decisions than everyone else that I knew. I seemed to be selling pretty high compared to most of the houses around me. So I knew that I had some sort of eye for it and started helping people make their own homes just as lovely. But more than that, realized that I had this amazing opportunity to help people figure out how to do that for themselves. So, you know, I started it 22 years old, going to Home Depot and just asking the guys that worked there, what do I do? I have this situation in my house and I'd really like it to look like X. And I had, you know, the Home Depot employees who a lot of them back then were retired craftspeople themselves, but had them walking me through tiling projects and walking me through things like that. So I realized very quickly that I was able to actually do a lot of the work that people 
hire out is needed to figure out how exactly to do that. So that's just where that the concept came from in my head that like every literally everyone can have a beautiful home in a perfect world. <laughs> everyone can have a beautiful home and you don't have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on decor to make that happen. The power uh-huh. is in your hands. Nice. Absolutely. I, I do love the the idea of accessibility. But you know what I think is very interesting is this concept that you just talked about of how you got into it. John and I just recorded a Queer Money Live. These are little episodes that we're doing on YouTube right now. And one one of the ones we recorded was about ikigai, which is a Japanese word for basically kind of like finding your purpose or the reason you are alive. And one of the things is that there's four aspects to ikigai. There's having kind of the passion around something, being able to have the skills to be able to fulfill that passion, having your passion fulfill a need that the world has, and then fourth, being able to actually make enough money to live off of with that passion. And as you're describing this, I'm like, wow, she kind of stumbled into her own little ikigai here where she's doing what she enjoys doing fulfilling a need that's in the world, you clearly created the skills and you're making some money at it. Isn't that nice? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I feel suddenly I'm like overwhelmed with the knowledge that, yeah, I did the thing, right? I kind of <laughs> have done what everybody in the world wants to do. I'm in this scenario where the industry that I'm in is a very, it can be a very elitist industry, mm. but Managed to build a business off of bringing that, bringing the love of home to everyone. And gosh, I really do love what I do because it's, you know, it's fulfilling work. When you think about interior designers, you're not like, oh, curtains, that has meaning, right? <laughs> but it was really fulfilling work. I, I come from a household growing up that was chaotic and it was not comfortable. And I didn't feel, I don't think I felt like I was really home in a comfort sense until I was in my 20s. So being able to look back on that and realizing that there are still people in the world who are in their homes not feeling comfortable made me think, well, if I can do something, I should, right? Like I, I, I should be able to take this to the masses. I think especially with the way we have, because of COVID and quarantine and what's going on in the world today, so many people want their home to be that, right? They Because <laughs> if you have to be at home <laughs> 23 hours a day, you want it to be a very welcoming and, and, and comfortable place, right? It's one that you can, that isn't causing you angst or frustration or a place you want to escape. <laughs> Right now, the design industry, the home industry in general is just blowing up. It's Mm -hmm. huge. When the rest of the economy really started to tank, that was really the subset that didn't. And it's because we're just all in our houses. We're staring at these walls. We're finally like looking at the thing that's always bothered us in a tiny way. (laughs) And because we can't get away from it, it's huge, right? Right. So... I've been busier in just the past six months than really ever in my career. And that probably would have 
been more that I was busier maybe last spring and last summer, but I took a little hiatus because we had our own house to deal with. But I mean, it really, people are calling and they're just saying, I've tried. I, <laughs> I tried to do the thing. The thing didn't work. <laughs> what am I doing wrong? Help me. Yeah. Um, and it's not all home offices. Everyone kind of thought that I would just be designing a ton of offices. I haven't done any offices since the pandemic started. I've been basically exclusively working on family rooms, bonus rooms. So another version of a family room and spaces for kids. That's basically been the last six months. It's just been people need something to entertain them and their spaces aren't set up to do that. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. I guess I'm a little different than everybody because I get to stare at the thing that I love the most in oh, the whole yeah. entire world all the time. And so I don't want to change that. <laughs> so it's interesting. You you talked about this idea that design, uh, home design can feel a little elitist. I will admit that I am a huge fan of mid-century modern modern architecture, Dwell Magazine, and and the things that are similar to that, which can, I think, sometimes does feel a little elitist. How do we make it a little bit more accessible? And maybe what's going on right now in the design world that we can tap into if we're trying to do this at in the live fabulously, not fabulously broke kind of way? <laughs> so you really have to make a plan. I think that's really the thing where people start to go wrong is that they're just spending money. They're throwing money at the problem. And a lot of times when we just spend money to be spending money, we're not buying something that's an actual solution for us. And that can go, I would, I'm not a therapist or a psychologist, but I would assume that that probably can apply to every aspect of your life. (laughs) But especially in our homes, I think we all have this habit of kind of, oh, mindlessly walking into home goods (laughs) and seeing something that we like and buying it and not really taking into consideration where that thing is going to, what role it's going to have in your home, where it's going to be in your home. And then we get it home and we realize there's not a spot for it. Or it's something that's super trendy. And in a couple of years, it ends up in the yard sale pile. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So I think, honestly, the way to make interior design accessible for more people is to explain just kind of the general concepts of what design is, because it's not curtains. It's definitely not, it's probably 30% the pretty stuff and 70% functionality and an application of your actual life inside your home in a way that makes sense for you and the people that you live with. If you would buy less, you would be more likely to be able to afford maybe the nicer things that you want. Now, if you want mid-century modern and you don't live in a city like Nashville, that's just all of the thrift stores and like the Facebook marketplace is just absurdly overpriced because Nashville has become the new it city. So everything costs too much to live here. Um, (laughs) But if you want mid-century modern, you can find it. There's a way to find it inexpensively. You just have to be willing to wait. 
to really wait, put in the time and the effort to find the product that you want at your price point. Do not buy some crap from Wayfair. (laughs) Because that's where I think people really go wrong, right? Is like they they want the Noguchi coffee table, but it's $1,200. So instead of buying the $1,200 Noguchi coffee table, they go to a mass producer and buy it for a couple hundred bucks. And in six months, it's falling apart because there's a reason that design is so notorious and it's so good because it's big, it's thick, it means something in the home. It's not just about the look of it, the quality is there. And I can say the Noguchi coffee table as an example, because I've actually been researching, I wanted that coffee table for a really long time. And it just, it was killing me to think about spending, I think the one I wanted was about $1,800. It was killing me to think about spending $1,800 on a coffee table when I have a five-year-old and, you know, yeah. she destroys 90% of anything she looks at. Um, <laughs> so I started looking at other retailers who were making knockoffs and reading the reviews and all of the reviews were like, this fell apart. <laughs> so this is a particular coffee table that the design of it is, it's awkward. It's like a cantilever design. It's It's an awkward design and it makes sense on the piece, but if the product, if the craftsmanship isn't there, then yeah, it falls apart. So spend less money on little things that you're not going to have forever and more money on the things that you know you're going to keep in your life. How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash cafe for more info. I don't think a lot of us everyday non-designers put that much thought into the things that we buy for our home. Right. I think, I think to your point, most of us, we see something at the store, we like it, we buy it, and then we think about, okay, where am I going to put this or how am I going to use it? We don't actually think about the form and the function and how is it, what role is it going to play in my life. And, you know, I think David and I hired a, a designer as when we were remodeling our condo. And that's the kind of thought that he put into it. And it was great to have somebody sort of guide us through that process. Because I do think that even though it sounds elitist, I do think he saved us money and he helped us get more value out of the investments that we made than we probably would have. I mean, well, we part of the reason why we had to hire him is because we made a mess of it ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we made some mistakes and we were like, oh, this so is not So he had to come and fix good. us. <laughs> Yeah. So that's really funny that you say that because I was thinking the other day about how frequently in my personal life, not for work, how frequently someone will invite me into their home because they've just renovated their kitchen and they want me to see it because they love it. It's beautiful. And then I go in and while they're showing me their brand new, beautiful kitchen and it's beautiful, there's always a moment when they say, I wish I had. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that designers offer, but you have the potential to be able to do it too. We plan every moment of your renovation, every millimeter of your space to be exactly what you need, not what everyone else needs, but exactly what you need in your life. A lot of interior design comes down to a conversation 
that you and I have about how you live in your home. But if you're not accustomed to making those sorts of plans about the forethought of where are you going to put your utensils? Where does it make the most sense to have them in this kitchen? Most likely you're not going to make the best decisions. So if you just spend a little bit more time thinking about, all right, when I'm done with this kitchen, I want the pots and the pans to be beside the stove because that's where we're going to use them, right? I want there to be ample storage for those items there. So I know that I'm going to need at least like a 32 inch cabinet over there, maybe 36. And then I also want to be able to have access to all of my cooking utensils in that same space. So it at least needs to have one drawer. Like those are the sorts of plans that you can definitely come up with on your own. Like you do not have to go to a designer for that. And also when you don't give it that amount of forethought, those are the things that I think people really, that's where people make the mistakes Mm -hmm. is that they plan. They're thinking about how pretty the kitchen's going to be. And they're really not thinking about how they need to use that kitchen. Yeah. I, when, and I think that's the maybe the drawback of the accessibility we have to visual media today. You know, it, folks on Instagram or Facebook or look flipping through magazines, watching things on YouTube, we just see we can tap into this barrage of, ooh, that's pretty, ooh, that's pretty, ooh, that's pretty, that's pretty, I like that, I like that, I like that. And we start to gather all these different things that we like, and maybe we don't understand that those don't go together, and you cannot squeeze them into the space that you have right now. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad you said that. You're so right. So I have... A lot of friends who are bloggers or Instagram influencers who are friends of mine who make beautiful content. But look, I know them on the backside and I'm telling you, their lives are messy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're they're trying to figure out, you know, why they didn't put. I think the most common thing in kitchens is people are always like, oh, I didn't account for where to put the trash can. (laughs) And I've done it myself. So I can tell you, yeah, I've designed a whole kitchen and forgot to put somewhere to have a spot for the trash can. So I had a $25,000 brand new kitchen and the trash can, a plastic bin is sitting out in the middle of the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so you learn, right? You learn as you're going. Um, and I think that that's also what a professional can offer you. But more than that, just the ability to step back for a moment and really think about how you live, not how other people live. See, that's the problem I think with the Pinterest and the Instagram grabs is that we think something's really smart or really pretty, but we're not trying to decide if that's actually applicable to our lives. I want to say there's this quote that's been floating around in my head for years and it doesn't make any sense that it was David Sedaris, but for some reason in my head, I want to contribute it to David Sedaris. <laughs> and it was like something around the the sense of like, I was building, it may have been like he was renovating the, the estate in Paris or whatever, but he was like, I was building this house for the life that I wanted, but not the life I was actually going to live. Oh, yeah. And so it hit me so hard. It was so smart because, yeah, would I like 
really beautiful places in my home to store my grandmother's heirloom china? Absolutely. I don't own any of my grandmother's heirloom china. (laughs) (laughs) So while that is beautiful to look at in someone else's home, for me, it makes no sense. I have plastic Ikea dishes for my (laughs) five-year-old. So, you know, I, I want people to think more about themselves. Your house is where you spend the majority of your time, especially right now. Yeah. yeah. So think more about how you live, not how you want to live, but how you live. Do you think then that this is probably one of the biggest mistakes that we make when we head out on this, I'm going to design and create the sanctuary space myself? Yeah. The lack of real reflection about who we are. Yeah who our families are because we're, you know, we're sold this idea that people have these beautiful lives through Instagram and Pinterest photos. Yeah. We believe what we see in the magazine is the whole story and not five seconds of the story. You know, I have a very small but mighty following on Instagram and I have to remind them very frequently that they're getting at most an hour of my day. Right. That's the whole glimpse that they get of my life is one hour of my day. And I've got 23 other hours that they don't see. Those 23 hours do not look like anything you see in the feed. (laughs) Sure. They're not anything like that. I try really hard to show people the behind the scenes of what my house is really like. Because it's not great. We We had to rebuild our house last year after a tornado hit it. So we move back in very quickly. We basically, I was like, all right, we've got to rebuild. The goal was the tornado was in March. So I said, the goal is to be back in by the time our daughter starts school in the fall. Ha ha ha. (laughs) So we moved back in in August, but the house isn't done. So I've been trying hard to show people there's beauty in my house. There are these moments that are so beautiful, but that's like a tiny moment. Um, my cabinets still are not finished. I don't have the kick plates on at all. So there are these filler pieces that go in between cabinets. If you, cause you know, if you're not getting custom cabinets, we ended up having to gut the house, but we removed our cabinets and we put them back in, but we changed the layout of the space. So we're using the same cabinets with a completely different layout. So now we have to use these like wooden filler pieces that go between each cabinet where there are gaps but we haven't installed those yet. We've back <laughs> we've been back in the house since August and can I tell you nothing traps dust and yuckiness more than just like exposed cabinets with no filler <laughs> no I'm kick sure. plate. That's the reality of life, right? Right. We all have mess. If we step back and really think about what is the pain point? Right? What's the thing that I have to do every day or Maybe not every day, maybe every couple of days, maybe once a week. But the thing that I just dread, the thing I hate more than any other task in my home, ask yourself, what is the thing? That answer is going to be your pain point. And figuring out what it is about that task that is so cumbersome to you is going to be your design solution for that. Yeah, that, 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 that makes total sense because I, a couple of things here. I like the idea that you kind of present that take time 
with your project and with your with what you want to have done with your house, but also your house shouldn't add to the stress of your life. It should actually detract from the stress of your life. And there's a lot of ways that we can design or put things in our home that that allow for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone talks about your home is your sanctuary. Well, it's not just your sanctuary because it protects you from rain. It should be your sanctuary on a mental level, too. You should be able to be comfortable at home. You should be able to be happy at home. I know that I am not happy when there's clutter on the counters or on the table. My wife is a dumper. She <laughs> loves to come in and put stuff on the dining room table. And my daughter does it now too. And I have this thing about sight lines. I need, there can't, even when we're dining, when we're sitting at the table, I cannot stand, say, a ketchup bottle mm. right up my face. I can't handle it. It drives me crazy. Knowing that about myself, I know that my wife is going to walk in the door with the mail the mail is going directly on the table. So that mail is going to bother me. It's going to make me feel a little anxious. And maybe it's not the kind of anxiety that makes me snap straight away, but it's definitely the kind of anxiety that over time, after yeah. six months of dealing with this pile of mail on the table, even though I've cleaned up each pile individually, I'm going to start getting kind of snippy about it, right? So if I can avoid that, what's the way to avoid it? Give her a spot beside the door where she can put the mail so it's not on the table. I love and that. These, yeah, these are very like simple ways. They don't have to be fancy. Just simple ways that we can all function better in our homes. I've right. told people before that if they come over to our house and they don't see a pile of mail on the counter and I'm not around, be concerned that I might have died. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did get the side eye from John when you started to describe the bringing the mail home and putting it on the counter because that is... And now we have this strategy where it comes in, it goes under the counter, and then I tolerate it for a couple of days. And it never gets looked at. And so then I migrate it into the office and it never gets looked at. And then eventually I get asked, where is that piece of mail I've been looking for? <laughs> yes. Yes. Sounds, so Sounds like I we need my- some design solutions for mail in our house too. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be hard. Just put a little bowl beside the door. Put a little table beside the door with like a little bowl and you can leave it there for a week and then go through it all at once and, you know, file it away somewhere. I know people who are very neurotic and want, you know, filing right at the door for the mail. So this goes into bills. This goes into catalogs you want to read later, magazines you want to read later and et cetera. I'm not that. I just need it to not be on the table. I will say I've thrown my wife under the bus a couple of times with her bad habits, but I have my own. Yeah, I was going to say, we all have them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do? So this is news to me, people. Oh, no. <laughs> I did not get this memo. <laughs> so mine is that a few weeks ago, I was looking through photos in my phone. I was trying to find a particular picture, but I saw all of these pictures of our daughter in our house doing various silly things that daughters do. And every photo in the background, and this spans months since August. Every photo in the background was the drill. 
<laughs> our drill. I just have it out all the time <laughs> because I'm constantly working on things around the house and I have a habit of just leaving. I'll finish half of the project and then just leave all the tools there because I'm going to get to it tomorrow. So the drill is constantly out. And I was like, wow, that is, first of all, strange to just always have this massive drill sitting upright <laughs> on something. And then second, it's got to be annoying my wife, right? So the solution for me was that we've been keeping all the tools in the garage. Well, we have a detached garage, so I have to walk across the yard to put the tools away. And I was like, yeah, I got to figure out somewhere in the house to store these tools so that I'll actually be putting them away instead of just keeping them in piles around the house. <laughs> yeah. So we have an unused dirt cellar basement, but it's accessible from inside the house. And that's where all of our tools have gone. We put a shelf in and now all of the tools, well, all of the hand tools, not the big power tools, but all the tools are now down there. So I can actually put them away with ease. Nice. I love it. So I would guess that at this point, we're, I don't know how many months into COVID, we're coming up on 12 months of quarantining or something. There must be spaces and, and places and things in people's homes that are driving them nuts. But of course, everybody's sort of a little bit conservative with their spending right now. So can you suggest a great way for about 100 to $200 that you can maybe freshen up your home in an economical way? Uh, what's the, you know, if you just had like 100 or $200, what's the best way to sort of utilize that money? Oh, absolutely. Number one on my list always is lighting. There are three ways to think about lighting. So the first is that if you have a light fixture that you don't like, get rid of it, get a new light fixture. They're fairly inexpensive. They're easy to change out. You can do it. Anyone can change a light fixture. Look up a YouTube tutorial. It's very simple. You're connecting two color-coded wires to two other color-coded wires. It couldn't be simpler. So if you have a light fixture that you don't like, swap it out. Find one that you do. You can usually get a pretty good quality light fixture for around about $100, $150. But then also when it comes to lighting, you may not need to change out the fixture. You may find that it's actually the light bulbs that are casting weird shadows in your house. I almost always walk into people's homes and they have yellow light bulbs. It's casting a very strange yellow light throughout the house. So not only are you not getting adequate light for the tasks that you have, but you're also turning all of your white surfaces into a weird tobacco stain yellow. So everything always kind of looks dingy. If you change to daylight light bulbs, I recommend a daylight LED. They're pretty inexpensive. Dramatically changes the way that your home looks. All oh, the nice. Yeah, your house will look, it'll look so much cleaner, I promise you. Just yeah. swapping out a light bulb. You should We're have just seen us right now. <laughs> We're looking around our place like, is it, is it yellow? You're like, is it yellow? I promise you it's yellow. No. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, it's so strange. I think everybody's been well, – so when LEDs came out, I think I know what it was. When LEDs first came out, they were very blue. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, I don't like this blue light. So everybody swapped and decided to go the warm white route which was the antithesis of the blue. So now everything's casting yellow, but there's this nice in-between, it's daylight. And especially in the winter, I don't know about you guys, but I get so depressed in the yeah. winter months when the sun's not coming out. 
it's cold, you don't want to be outside, you're not getting your vitamin D, having a daylight light bulb can just dramatically change your entire mood. It really changes everything. And your home looks instantly cleaner, but you didn't have to do anything. So Ooh, I like that. My, my, cleaning, my room's clean, John. My room's clean. <laughs> I just changed the light bulb. <laughs> Sold. What and you, know, you could you could get like the other thing about lighting is that you don't have to stick to just the light fixtures from your ceiling, right? Right. So the light that you got in your house when you bought or started renting your home is not the light that you have to have. You could have an overhead light, which is great for seeing at night, really. Overhead lights are really good if you need to focus on a task at night. Overhead lights, they make the room feel bigger, they make the room feel cleaner, but then also consider task lighting. That can be a lamp on your desk, that can be a lamp on your bedside table. But more than that, now that manufacturers have started thinking about people who don't own their homes. They have begun new lines with wall sconces that are all plug-in. And these sconces are beautiful. It used to be that we would have to, if we were going to go the plug-in route, that everybody just kind of had the same ugly industrial looking Ikea light. But now you plug-in sconces from Pottery Barn has really beautiful ones for pretty cheap, around about $150, you can get those plug in two sconces on either side of your bed, turn off your overheads at night, and you have like instant sexy mood time. <laughs> Ooh, look Love at that. that. Saving <laughs> money. <laughs> well, your it, place it, is cleaner and you have sexy time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is interesting you, you bring this uh, up about lighting because we have two lamps that we got from CB2, which is a down division of Crate and Barrel, I think. And John and I love to turn those on. And instead of having the bright overhead light on, we love to turn those two lights on that just kind of give the room a little bit of light. It's not really bright. And that's how we kind of just like to sit and relax and talk to each other on the couch or sometimes watch TV or most of the time watch TV. But it's not this kind of bright overhead light in the room that is can sometimes be overpowering. Yeah, but you still have enough light that you're balancing out the the TV screen. Right. So I have a I have an issue with just the TV being the only light in the room. It feels sometimes like it's kind of blinding. Mm -hmm. So if you have other lights that are sitting beside you, not right up on your face, but just within your peripheral, that'll balance that out. When we bought our current home, we've been here since July 2019 with the hiatus for the rebuild, I told my wife I wanted smart home devices, but I know nothing about technology. I'm, I'm horrible with technology. She's my tech guru. <laughs> so she did all this research and she figured out based on what I wanted, we got, I think we got like a little Google home or something, you know, just a little like puck looking thing. And then some smart plugs plugged our lights, our lamps into those smart plugs, and then told the Google Home, I had to set it up. I was very tech savvy that day. <laughs> I set up the system so that when I said, hey, Google, oh gosh, I hope I didn't just set everybody's stuff off. <laughs> Let's wind down. 
it automatically turned the lamps on. Now it didn't do our light fixtures. We could have gotten light bulbs. That would have done that too. That was the next thing we were headed towards, but it automatically turned the lamps on. We could turn our overheads off and then they, the home thing started playing like a soft jazz music. Nice. Ambiance. Yeah. And (laughs) I think even we had set it up to, oh, and it automatically turned on the front porch lights, which was nice too. But I think we had set it up to maybe just come on automatically at like 630 every night as kind of our wind down routine with our daughter. So kids will act the craziest right before bedtime. So this was like my signal to her that, nope, we're not doing this tonight. Yep. (laughs) So we would kind of all as a family get into this nice rhythm of this is the time when we all start to wind down. The TV goes off and we you know, really settle into the evening. That's nice. Nice. Yeah. So we haven't reinstalled those since we've been back in the house. And I was just thinking last night about how much I miss the automation of just being able to say this one thing and suddenly the whole mood of the house changes. So that's another recommendation too, to maybe grab a smart device. I think it was the ones we got were fairly inexpensive. I want to say less than $50. And they really changed the way that our house functioned at night. Nice. So we've got lighting, mood lighting, some smart devices. Any other kind of design tips or or maybe pieces that would maybe spruce up your room if we're still looking for that sub $200 fix up? Absolutely. I mean, that's so all of that is kind of answering the functionality But if you really just want something pretty, I would say... we do. (laughs) Okay. We always do. If you really want something that's just going to be pretty in your house, what I want you to do is to buy artwork. And I don't mean walk into home goods and buy artwork. I mean, find an artist who's making art that you love and then buy a print or buy, preferably, if you can afford it, an original piece from that artist because artwork is going to be the only thing that you can invest in, in your home. That's actually going to pay you a return in the long run. Nice. Wow. Really? You know, it's interesting you bring that up because John and I were walking around in the arts district here in Las Vegas and we went into a, a gallery and there was a woman sitting there And she uses paint droplets to create, I think they're called mandalas. Mm -hmm. So these are the the circles. Oftentimes you see Buddhist monks creating these images. Well, she uses a black canvas and then she literally sits there and one drop of paint, one drop of paint, one drop of paint, one drop of paint in several different colors and creates these beautiful designs it's interesting you bring this up because this reminds me that I love those and that she said she could custom make one in the colors that we have in our living room. And it was really affordable for us. And it's also her therapy. She's a post-traumatic stress event. This is one of her ways of dealing with her her uh, this PTSD. particular event in her life. And I'm glad you bring that up because I think oftentimes we fr- we automatically discount local artists because we think, oh, I could never afford something like that. Because we we think, oh, that's going to be thousands of dollars and I can't afford that. 
yes, art can be very expensive. We collect art. That is my favorite thing to have in my home is art. All of my walls, when we came back in the house, for the first time, we painted everything white. Well, not everything. Some of our walls are black. But most of our walls are white because I wanted a gallery feel. I wanted to be able to finally bring out all of our artwork and put it on display. And the reason, first, I just love art. I love the concept of being able to kind of go through space and time while looking at something and travel to someone else's brain. That is very interesting to me. But also, there's a reason that Christie's has art on auction so frequently. (laughs) These massive estates that have these huge collections of art, the collections wouldn't be worth anything. I mean, they wouldn't be putting so much time into it if the collections weren't worth anything. Artwork, you might be the only person in the world that has a piece from that artist in this particular mood. So those are the things that can really increase in value over time. Now, of course, not every print is going to, you're not going to probably not going to get a million dollar return on your investment, but it still increases in value. And you're probably not going to be putting that original artwork into the yard sale pile, which I think is important when we talk about consciously decorating our homes. I love that. These are some great ideas. I think it's a, a lot of this is within the grasp of, of most people. Yeah. And I think, I think it's wonderful. So yeah, it's just a smart way to use a, a couple hundred dollars. How do you work with your clients exactly? So I offer a few different solutions to working with clients. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. So I offer full service design here. So that means I meet with you. We talk about the space. And then I come up with an entire design for that space, source everything and have it installed for you. You do nothing. You just come home to a nice house. That's one of the services that I offer for locals. And then I also opened up virtual design services. I actually, when I started my business, that's what I was doing mostly was virtual design. And I had kind of shifted away from that a couple of years ago. And then this year it became very clear that that was going to be a necessity again. So I reopened virtual design. So now I can also work with people throughout the country. And that is a very budget-minded service. So if you really feel like you need the help of a designer, but you don't think that you have maybe the $15,000 to $20,000 minimum cost requirement, e-design can be super affordable. Nice. Can you just kind of give me an idea of what that looks like? Because when I think of working, I I kind of understand working with a designer one-on-one and having them come to your home and and make make an assessment and come up with ideas and all that. How does that compare to working with you virtually? It's very similar. The biggest difference is that I'm not actually doing the installs. So I'm not hiring people to come into your home to place all of the things and I'm not placing them myself, but we can do a lot as you guys know, over Skype, (laughs) we can do a lot virtually. So basically you're going to show me the space. We're going to meet the first time I would say about a half an hour. I do free phone consultations. They typically last from about a half an hour to an hour. It's usually about a half an hour just to get an idea of where you're at, what your needs are. And if we're actually a good fit for one another, 
And then after the phone consult, I'm going to ask you to send me a series of pictures. They don't have to be Instagram worthy content photos, just pictures of what your room currently looks like. I get you to stand up against the wall, take the photo with your smartphone and just email them to me so I can see what the space actually looks like. I get you to send me pictures of anything that you want to keep in the space and then measurements of the space, which again, doesn't have to be builder specs, just you could draw a square and then write the measurement on each wall. And then we come up together with a plan for each thing that you want to be able to accomplish in that space, what you absolutely need to have for that space, how you live in the space. And then we spend a couple of weeks getting to know each other so that I can figure out your design sense, what your style is. I have clients that come to me with a vast array of different styles, very minimal, modern clients to recently I finished a bedroom for a client who wanted a bohemian bedroom, which was a little out of my comfort zone because I've never done that before, but it turned out beautifully. So I spend a little bit of time just trying to figure out who you are, what your needs are, what your wants are and what you like. And then I present to you three concepts you choose your favorite concept and then move. I move forward with finding all the products you need to make that room happen and then give you links so that you can buy everything. Oh, wow. That actually part. sounds kind of like fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a combination of like collaborating and I'm like almost yeah. the designer, but with the coach. <laughs> it is really, really fun. And I loved it, especially in Nashville, because when I started my business, Nashville was deep in the throes of the modern farmhouse movement. So everyone coming to me wanted shiplap (laughs) and I was a little tired of shiplap. So I loved it because I could open up my services for people who live elsewhere, which, you know, design is a regional thing. So a lot of the time I would get people who lived across the country who were really interested in modern design and I could actually vary my talents a little bit instead of just redesigning the same shiplap wall over and over and over again. Nice. That's well, awesome. I it's think mutually that's, beneficial. Yeah. That's beneficial yeah. <laughs> for your design um, and gaining knowledge, right? To work with a variety of clients. That's really important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So this has been super wonderful. Lots of great advice. Great way to utilize 100 to $200 if you need to fix something up and, and spruce up your home just a little bit. And it, it sounds like um, even, even hiring a designer with what you're doing virtually makes it even more accessible to folks who might think that that's completely out of their, their budget. So how can our listeners connect with you? Oh, yeah. So they can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm there at tmorehome. My website is tmorehome.com. I might be the only person that doesn't have a podcast, (laughs) so can't plug that, which is a bummer, but depending on how this goes, maybe I should start. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's a great, it's a great industry to be in. Yeah. Well, it's been fun having you on the show. And uh, and as John mentioned, I think that there's a little gems of takeaway here for anyone who's looking to spruce up their home, especially right now, if some of the parts of your home are starting to look a little tired, or maybe they're just yellow because you have the wrong lights. But Girl, change your light bulbs. <laughs> right? So thank you for, for uh, joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. 
Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere. So banking fits into your life, not the other way around. Queer Money is being brought to you in part by the five building blocks of a happy gay life. Join the growing community of happy, healthy, and wealthy gay men who love their lives inside and out. Get your free copy of the five building blocks of a happy gay life at debtfreeguys.com forward slash happy. Thank you, Terry, for sharing such amazing yet affordable tips to spruce up our places. Some of us are tired of our spaces after this long year and need this kind of advice. To you, our listeners, here's your queer money takeaway from this episode. Keep in mind that you don't need to spend a fortune doing a little redesign of your space. Design can be within reach, as Terry shared, and with $50 to $200, you can live just a little more fabulously, quite affordably. Also, please visit Terry's website at tmorehome.com to see how you may be able to work with Terry and benefit from her amazing advice. Finally, we make the Queer Money Podcast for you, so please email your money questions to questions at deadfreeguys.com or post them in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we may answer your question in an upcoming episode. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.